Oh, kia ora koutou. Kia ora. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the organisers of this wonderful event, Why Talk. Thank you so much. I feel so truly humbled to have been invited. I'd like to acknowledge all my other speakers. You've been all so awesome. My speech is very short by comparison. Um, I'm going, oh my God, uh, they've written heaps. Um, <laughs> I've had to write it down because I'm such a waffler and I didn't have the wings because I gave them to Peter. And if I did have the wings, I would have taken you around and around the universe and back again and it would have been three o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> so, kia ora koutou, ka maunga nui te maunga, ko awaroa te wai, ko Rainbow Warrior toko waka, ko Nati Argentina mendati hei, toko iwi, ko Susie Newborn toko ingoa. So, oh, I've forgotten my props. Could you pass me up that little thing there with the passion fruit? I'm going to start with the game. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry. So, the talk of my love tonight, the title of my talk, is Ferocious Love and the Power of Resistance. But before I start that, I want to play a little game. Passion fruit, for anyone who can tell me who said, the true revolutionary is guided by great feelings of love. And where's my picture? <laughs> huh, Luis, por favor. Who said that? Who said, the true revolutionary is guided by great feelings of love? No? No? Who said? Yes! Woo! Che Guevara! And I chose this quote, this quote from Che, because Che was an Argentinian, like my father, like my mother too, and my grandmother and so on. He even looked like my father. Gorgeous. And I think, I really think they may have met at some point in their lives because they held similar beliefs and both lost their lives because of their beliefs. I also chose this quote because it is about love and the concept of love as a revolutionary force and Luis will show you that in a minute. <clears throat> Sorry to put you on the spot, Luis. I sent it to you. You didn't get it. You said thanks. You said thanks very much. <laughs> I also chose this quote. It was our Banksy with revolution and love. You know, there's the word love and revolution, so just imagine it. I also chose this quote because it is about love and the concept of love as a revolutionary force. As a young child, I was brought up in an exceedingly loving household. I realize now how lucky I was. There was a lot of Latin music, Latin passion, Latin food, a lot of laughter, a lot of dancing, and a lot of love. I never, ever heard my parents argue. 
They wrote each other love notes and hid them in each other's clothing, sometimes perfumed. <laughs> my mother cried when my father travelled to the Middle East in his role as a diplomat. As a small child, my father would read Krishnamurti to me at night, and though I could not fully understand Jiddu's teachings, my father told me it was all to do with love. I took these teachings very seriously. A tree I loved in our front garden was going to be axed to let in more light. In my first act of satyagraha, I stood between the tree and the sharpened blade and was sure my father would understand why I was standing there, heels dug into the moss-covered base, my little back pressed hard against the trunk. I was there a while. It grew dark. My parents brought me soup to keep me warm. I knew that if, there, if I stood long enough, I would win. I would win because I was doing this out of love. So in the end, we negotiated a deal, and I did win. They would prune a few branches, and the tree would remain. I was four or five at the time. Many years later, I found a line from a D.H. Lawrence poem pinned to the bulkhead in the Rainbow Warrior mess room that so aptly summed up the lesson I had learned that cold English day all those years previously. For the thing that is done without the glowing as of God, vermilion, were best not done at all. My godmother was one of the founding members of CND, with Bertrand Russell and others. <laughs> I was too young at the time to appreciate who these people were. These intellectuals would come to our house, sit and talk endlessly. I got a detention for wearing a CND badge to school, pinned to my uniform. I never understood why. My father would give me Hesse and Karl Marx to read, and the school where I, would, where I boarded would hiss under its public school breath when I presented these books at reading time to the head librarian. I never read Das Kapital. Well, actually, I did read a couple of pages and went, nah. It wasn't lyrical. I read all of Hesse and began my own journey to the East with my father as mentor. I, a young teenager, gracias amigo. Meeting Gandhi changed my father's life. He became a devout practicing Buddhist, even though in public he was a trade diplomat for a fascist government. The Argentine ambassador in London forbade him from meeting all the artists, writers, musicians, escaping from Argentina to Europe for sanctuary during the junta years. He sent me as his emissary, and I had to report back. The day before he was killed, my father phoned me 
we had gone to a vegetarian restaurant together. The irony of an Argentinian trade diplomat being vegetarian made us laugh. <laughs> then we went to the record store in Harrods, flicking through all the albums, talking about the ones we knew and liked. He was a fan of Cohen and Zappa, Bach and Mingus. Why he phoned me later, I will never know. We had talked enough. He said he had phoned to tell me about the power of love, the kind that can move mountains. He said he had faith in us, our generation, to resist injustice of any kind, and he had such faith in me. And then he quoted Che. That was the last time I heard his voice. That infamous quote was the last thing he ever said to me. The feeling, that feeling you get when you know something is really, really wrong, where does that come from? I've got a passion fruit here for any ideas. That feeling that, rising, that rises up inside of us, we, in South America, we call it duende. Maori call it ihi. You know you have to resist. And what you are resisting is the destruction of love. You know that. What was the Occupy movement about? Another passion fruit. Yeah! Oops! Yes, it was about love. We do these things, we resist injustice because we love and we love ferociously. So the question is, will love save love? Will love save this place? As Naomi Klein asks. I am sure Pachamama will always prevail. She is that beloved space that people are determined to pass on to future generations, healthy and abundant. She is identity and culture and the salmon running freely in the waters of life. Because here's the thing, the power of love, of ferocious love, is all powerful. There is no bargaining chip. There is no bribe big enough. There is no giving in. All those who think they are in power because they have the power have seriously underestimated the power of ferocious love. Why? Because no amount of money can extinguish it. That's the beauty of ferocious love. We stand and block. We resist. Although we may not be able to mend a broken Arctic, we may, just may, be able to change a system that is guilty of ecocide, genocide, that is the antithesis of the interdependent natural order of things. As a child, I was a loner. I would spend hours in the forest observing insects, 
the plants, the squirrels. I was growing up in a world where the stories I was told had immense power. And I remember this feeling of deep connection to everything around me, to the wind, the leaf falling to the ground, the ants' strategic impulses. I would lie on the moist, leaf-covered ground and feel the humming deep within the earth's breast resonate through me. I overflowed with immense wonderment, a feeling I would share with my father once I got home. Fast forward several decades, I got the cue, and now I find that I am left, often on a daily basis in my work, to consider the ugliness of many things. Things like this. Pay attention, this is awful. It takes 2.3 barrels of water to produce a single barrel of oil from tar sands mining. And you can see the giant tailing ponds from space filled with radioactive and extremely toxic water. In 2012, the industry in the US created 280 billion gallons of this contaminated water, enough to flood all of Washington, D.C., under a 22-foot toxic lagoon. Friends, we are at the most important crossroads in the future of our species and the many, many other life forms who fall by our acts. Do we invoke the goddess of ferocious love to help us resist what is happening to Pachamama? Knowing that the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul set on fire. Or do we stand by and watch our eyes to the ground Ashamed that we have, somewhere, sometime along the road of life, succumbed to the bribe. Thank you. <laughs>